Calvinists, but today not so much. Today we need to step to one side a bit and talk about the darkness. And that's what a week to talk about the darkness. Now I want you to be aware, I'm not trying to gin up too much here. I'm aware that people get shot down every day. I'm, I'm aware that ISIS is killing, crucifying, and selling into slavery every day. I know that. But this one hit close to home because a man walked into a small church and was welcomed and sat among them and then struck them down. That's close to home. You know, the odds of ISIS raiders grabbing one of us and selling us into slavery, very low. But we live in dangerous worlds. Those of you, normally church shootings are not national news. Um, since, what was it? I sent this out, guys. Maybe one of you can remember. I think it's since 1995. There have been 150. Most of them don't have anything like the carnage. Uh, it's one person. And normally, to be honest, it's an estranged wife who gets shot down or something like that. It's a family dispute that comes into the church. It just was a reminder that none of us are safe anywhere. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through right? And we can react in fear if you'd like, but I don't think fear is an option for a Christian. I think what we do is we do what Jesus said, watch and pray. You know, um, or as the military will tell you, keep your head on the swivel. Just watch, pray, and love. You know, I, I won't say more. Um, when you look at evil in the Old Testament, in contrast with the surviving literature from their neighbors, the Jews didn't say much about demons. Most old literature we get is boring literature about accounts. Uh, by accounts, I don't mean stories. I mean, I sold this much to that person for this amount of money. Literally, that's the vast majority of ancient literature we have. Number two are prayers and invocations. And you, you know, some of them are in full, some of them are in pieces and in parts. But their neighbors wrote constantly about gods everywhere, demons everywhere, spirits everywhere. And it's a stark contrast when you read the Old Testament to see how little they write of this. It is, um, I'm not sure what all to make of that. Their neighbors wrote extensively. Writers just, of Scripture just mention them rarely and don't spend a lot of time on them. And perhaps our oldest book is the book of Job, and there you see the devil, or Satan, walking in and out of heaven. Now, if that sounds strange to you, remember that Jesus, when he sent out the 70 to, to reach um, Judea, uh, he, he said, I saw Satan cast from heaven. And there are those that believe he was referring to way back in the day. Others believe he was referring to then because he had started his ministry. While others read Revelation 12 and say, no, it's at the crucifixion of Jesus and he's speaking of a future event. We don't know. All we can tell you is Satan walked in and out of heaven. And in fact, he interrupts court, God's work with his people. It always amazes me when I read about God. God doesn't need anybody, but he chooses to work with community here and there. 
He is the Lord of hosts. There are a lot up there, and he works with them. Read in Revelation, and he names them. Here the devil and Job argues with God. He's allowed to. God didn't banish the devil. Not yet. He would. There are some mentions of the Old Testament, uh, uh, rather demons in the Old Testament, they're worth looking at. Very well-known demon in ancient world called Lilith. And she gets a mention in Scripture, uh, although normally not by that name. Now, do we have the PowerPoint for that? It was sent. Great. Let's look at, starting at Isaiah 34 and verse 14. Now, I want you to be aware, the NIV, which I'm using, will not call her Lilith, but instead refers to them as wild goats or hyenas or hairy goats. I'm not sure why they made that choice. Desert creatures will meet with hyenas. Wild goats will bleat to each other. There, the night creatures will also lie down and find for themselves places of rest. Let's look at Psalm 91 and verse 5. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow, arrow that flies by day. The terror by night is in most ancient manuscripts, Lilith, a demon. The Jews have a whole story they've built up about Lilith. Uh, you may have heard that she was supposed to have been Adam's first wife, but she refused to obey him, so she was banished, and God turned her into a demon. That's not scripture. I think it was a handy story to keep the wives in line, frankly. Uh, it also might have been a, an attempt to explain where all the other kids came from, you know, where'd Cain get his wife and all that sort of thing. Um, Anyway, Lilith was known. Spirits in the form of hairy goats, by the way, very well known in the Mesopotamian world. All around the Mediterranean hub, the demons were in the form of hairy goats. And in fact, even in European demonology and witch hunting, the goat was a symbol of Satan, right? And even to this day, I, I used to own them, merely to research them. And I just got tired of the, having them on my shelf. So I destroyed them rather than moving the books on. Books like the, um, uh, the Devil's Bible and the Moncronon and, and, and all these type of things, I read them so I would know what they said. Um, they're mainly silly things made up by white people in English homes that had nothing else to do. But there they are. I got rid of them. And again, on the cover would be goats. And by the way, that's why goat idols were common and forbidden. I don't, um, those, do I have that on slides? I don't think I do. Leviticus 17.7? I don't think I do. Okay, I'm, I'm going to turn to it. Leviticus 17.7 and 1 Chronicles 11.15 is another one, by the way. Um, here he goes. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. And you'll find the same in 1 Chronicles 11.15. So Lilith the, uh, appeared like a goat, a hairy goat. Perhaps the most common, by the way, description of God at war amongst, uh, against evil in the Old Testament uses water, flood, river, 
and waves, that imagery. Do you remember, those of you that were here when I first came here, one of my first sermons was called Your Own Personal Jordan, where we talked about the passages in the Old Testament that dealt with you had to walk into the water. You had to face the water and all the water miracles. And I, I brought up then that this was a way of telling people they had to face their demons to come to God. They had to show fearlessness toward demons to come to God. Water is a big deal in Scripture. In Genesis 1, you already see it. God's already at work when you, you find him. Wasn't, you know, God isn't sitting about thinking, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> He's already working. He comes upon a scene of cosmic turmoil, shoves back the water, divides the waters above from the waters below, creates dry land, sets the stage, and he does that all through Scripture. What happens when the slaves are, are fleeing Egypt? He splits the water, creates dry land, a place of order and a stage for them to cross. What happens when they want to go into to, um, to the Canaan? They were, was in Israel at that time. Canaan. Stop the Jordan River, create dry place, drive the demons ahead of them and out of the land. And he's, that's, that's the language he used. You see this again and again and again. Let's take a look at some of those places, uh, starting at Psalm 104, verses 7 through 9. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. Now remember, waters are usually, not maybe not usually, very often a symbol in Scripture of, um, of demonic powers and also of our own uh, depression, anxieties, and fears. By your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. To remember, the Bible talks about hell is a place designed for the devil and his angels. And that when Judas rebelled and then committed suicide, the scripture dismisses him with saying he went to his own place. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. Evidently, the psalmist believes that Psalm chapter 1 is not just water. It, the chaos there is because of evil spirits that are involved. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, don't know if I have all these or not. Do I have that one or not? Okay. Let's, if you want to turn with me, Proverbs chapter 8. The reason I have to ask is because, I, my fault, I printed mine out in black and white, and the verses that, are, that they have are highlighted, but not on my notes. So that's my fault, not theirs. Proverbs chapter 8. By the way, I'm trying to scale back the Scots in the voice today, uh, but the Irvins have a visitor from Scotland with them. And so whenever, it takes like one sentence, <laughs> and that's it for the rest of the day, you know, and I'm thinking, I've got to preach. These folk won't understand five words coming out the mouth, you know, so I'm fighting it, I'm fighting it. The good news is she's from Aberdeenshire, and nobody can understand them, not even other Scots. Um, <laughs> it's, it's literally true. They, they speak um, a form of English called Doric. Look it up on YouTube, D-O-R-I-C. And it, Scots find it hilarious. You know, we would look at you and say, you're doing all right. And you can probably understand that, right? You're doing all right. They look at you and say, fit like. Sorry? You know, and it goes from there. It doesn't get better. Uh, it does not get better. Anyway, 
She's not here, I can say that. Um, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so that the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. We get the same in Job 38, uh, 6 through 11. Um, but if you want another, let's go to Psalm 29. I don't want to belabor the point or if you, if you don't realize, we use these imageries as well. You know, I'm drowning. Um, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Unlikely. But you understand we use imagery. You know, um, I'm starving to death. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, Psalm 29, verses 3 through 4. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. I love that phrase. The, the Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the, the cedars of Lebanon. Skipping down verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. By the way, that starts off, Psalm. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Saying, you watch your place. All of these Canaan, all, all of these, unlike Canaanite myths, all of these, God is clearly superior to the other forces. Now, please understand what I'm saying. In all the other ancient literature, and we've got a ton of it about gods and demons and alike, the good God is not stronger than the bad gods. As a rule, they're equal. We call that dualism. The Bible is written completely different than old literature. Every so often you'll pe have people say, well, that's a Canaanite myth. That's a Canaanite myth. That's a Can and I'm saying, uh, take a look at degree. Not just words, degree. You know, um, for example, you've perhaps been told there was another cult about a man that was born of a virgin, that was killed and came back after three days, that the, his followers were baptized too, the Mithras cult. They had baptism too. If that's all you knew, you might be thinking, hey, uh, their baptism was you went into a pit, they put a grate over the pit, and they brought a bull out and slaughtered it, and the blood covered you. It's not the same. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I bet the bulls are glad too. We're going to have some baptizing. No, you know, that sort of thing. I, I have no idea what a bull sounds like. Anyway, sorry. Um, kind of sound like a hairy goat. Uh, there's, there's an opponent in the Bible, an uh, opponent of God in the Bible that goes by a lot of names in English, but in Hebrew, it's Yom. Uh, Y-A-M-M -M is the closest we can get to it. There's Y-O-M, Yom means day. So Yom is this being. And the translators and the writers called it many different names. In Psalm 74, if you're in Psalm uh, 74, verse 10 and verse 13, uh, 10. How long will the enemy, yum, mark you, God? Will the foe, yum, revile your name forever? Then verse 13. It was you who split open the sea by your power. Water, again. You broke the heads of the monster in the water. It was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan, 
That's another name for the monster in the water, Leviathan, a demon lord. And he had dragons that he could unleash, and yet God is all-powerful. Now, in Job 7 and verse 12, I don't think I have that one highlighted. Uh, Job 7 and verse 12 there's the warning if, if God withdraws his hands, those dragons, those demons rush in. And that's what God's saying in Hosea as well, is it not? You don't want me to go away. If I go away, what's going to fill the vacuum? Do you remember Jesus talked about this? He said, if you bind the strong man and cast him out, but you leave the place empty, he's going to get friends and come back. The idea is you've got to get the bad guy out, and Jesus in. That song we sang, I hadn't heard that in years. It's going to stick in my head the rest of the day. You take the world, but give me Jesus. I haven't heard that in a long time. That's, that's your protection against demons. It's not crosses and garlic and, and big liturgies and the like. It is just keep Jesus in the house. That'll do it. Um, Kind of like we used to have deer get in our gardens until we got a dog. Yeah, uh, don't leave it empty. Find something there that can drive off the others. Um, do you remember Daniel and his prayer? When he was praying, one watcher was talking to him, but there was another watcher out guarding. Do you remember that? God takes this very seriously. In our scientific world, we, we struggle with this, don't we? We struggle with the idea of unseen spirits, or we become terrified of them. Don't be terrified. You're saved. Get over it. Will you have trouble? Yeah, you'll have trouble in this world. You will. We all do. And you'll die. But you're still saved. That's the faith part that we've got to get through. Um, in Habakkuk, uh, I love, we're going we're gonna to look at Habakkuk pretty soon, so I'm not really sure if I want to do this. Uh, yeah, you'll forget. Yeah, Habakkuk chapter 3, chapter 3, starting at verse 8. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the stream? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. It's, a, it's an amazing chapter. And it talks about you rose up and you threshed the, the nations like wheat. Uh, it's a battle against the water. The spirits in the water. How about this one? This one is on the slide, I'm sure. Isaiah 51. Let's bring that up. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Rahab's another demon name. Uh, yes, the lady saved by God in Jericho was named after a demon. Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depth of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? Those the Lord has rescued will return. 
They will enter Zion with singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads, gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's our faith. We have somebody fighting for us who is bigger than us. You can also look at Psalm 77. It's very similar, uh, verse, especially verses 15 through 19. Psalm 77. If you're writing this down, if you're going to listen later online. By the way, poor Laurie Lee. She's given me the password two or three times so I can give it to people. I don't know it. I can, as soon as, and it's, it's really simple. You know, all of my passwords, if you want to get into my stuff, uh, it's incorrect. That way when I miss it, it pops up, your password is incorrect. I go, oh yeah. No, it's not quite that bad. But it's close. Um, incorrect, you idiot. Um, when Israel falls, the, their fall is described as being swallowed and being spit out by a mighty sea serpent. Remember Jonah as well. Take a look at Jeremiah 51. We'll look at two verses there. Nebuchadnezzar, son of Babylon, has devoured us. He has thrown us into confusion. He has made us an empty jar like a serpent. He has swallowed us and filled his stomach with our delicacies and then has spewed us out. The Lord will destroy Babylon. He will silence her noisy den. Look at this. Waves of enemies will rage like great waters. The roar of their voices will resound. Were you aware of the use of water like this in Scripture? That's how they talk of evil spirits and their effect upon us. This is not just war on a cosmic level, by the way. It's also the way they feel when the demons come against them. Uh, several passages we could go to here. Let's look at Psalm 69. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me or the, pet, the depths swallow me up or the pet close its mouth over me. Do we have the other passages as well? Or just that one? We do? Great, thank you. Reach down your hand from on high. Deliver me and rescue me from the mighty waters, from the hands of foreigners. I take that a little bit personally. but um, Psalm 93. We, had, we stole the country first. It was ours. Uh, the seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Then the response is, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Now, when you read the Old Testament, you'll be able to tell what's going on. Now, when you see all of the water miracles Jesus does, he does so many water miracles. The troubling of the water, the water to wine. Yeah, you'll be able to tell what he's doing and what it meant to the people there. Let's go to, to uh, Isaiah 27.1. And that day... The Lord will punish with his sword his fierce, great, and powerful sword, Leviathan. That monster again? The gliding spirit, Leviathan. The coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. The defeat of Leviathan is in the future. Have you ever read uh, the book of Revelation? A dragon is defeated. Take a look at chapter 12, which is an amazing chapter uh, and you don't by the way if you've always struggled with revelation oh my goodness 
Are you in luck? If you don't believe in luck, are you blessed? How's that? Summer celebration at Lipscomb, uh, July 1st and 2nd and 3rd, is all about revelation. And I know some of the guys that are leading the big classes, like Greg Stevenson, amazing. And you'll get it. You will get it. I'm teaching a couple classes, not on revelation. So forget that. In fact, the first one, I probably should warn you, the one I'm doing Wednesday night is the sermon I did on Ezekiel 37. So you've already heard it. Uh, Don't come. Because I hate for you to look over at your neighbors and go, this again? It's like he only has two sermons. But anyway, Revelation's coming. Uh, now uh, Now you found Revelation. Chapter 12, look at verse 3. We're going to skip through. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on its heads. All those numbers mean stuff, but that's not the point. Just get the picture. Verse 9, the great dragon was hurled down. There's the defeat of Leviathan, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then there's a, a, a hymn that the angels sing, basically saying, watch out, guys. He's headed your way. Thanks. And then in chapter 13, verse 1, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. That's us, looking out at the world. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He's got help. It had ten horns and seven heads, seven crowns on its horns, and each had a blasphemous name. The devil is going to fight us here. He's been kicked out of heaven, but he's going to fight us here. Then the ultimate victory comes later in the book of Revelation. Uh, storm gods were the most common, I think. I have not done all the. I can't run spreadsheets. Don't, do not offer to teach me. I don't want to. It's kind of like people want to teach me how to appreciate NASCAR. No thanks. It's men driving left. I get it. I'm done. Uh, anyway, they, uh, now I've offended almost everybody. Let's see, what else, what else can I do? Um, but storm gods were everywhere. Ba- Baal and Rahab were perhaps the two best-known storm gods. The prayers in the Psalms, the promise of revelation, is that God's defeated these demons. They're dying. Trust him. We approach God in prayer, and we join him in his work on earth to drive back the demons and bring in the light. There is a way to read Genesis 1. We've got about 15 minutes left here. Um, as a restoration, I don't want you to get all excited here. I don't want you to go out of here and saying, Patrick says, I'm just letting you know, it is a perfectly valid way to read Genesis 1 as not the original creation, but as a restoration. Now, did a lot of Jews read it that way. A lot of Christians have read it that way. I'm not quite there yet, but I see their point. In this reading, which fits with all the war pictures in the Old Testament, with Canaanite mythologies, there's a cosmic battle between good and evil. Good wins, but the battlefield is messed up. So God created the heavens and the earth, but what's the first picture you get of the earth? Chaos. Covered with water. Chaos. So, God moves in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and restores 
what had been lost in his creation. The world had became, you notice, notice that, it doesn't say the world was, the, it says the world became formless and void. In most old tra- manuscripts, it says became, which would indicate it wasn't when God made it, but the war in heaven had gotten there. Again, I'm just giving you that viewpoint. Do with it what you will. There are those that believe that explains an awful lot of things even in the fossil record, but I'm not going there. I'm not to that point yet. But in that reading, then the command given to us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 makes sense. That command is subdue the earth. Now, subdue the earth does not mean strip mine it. Subdue the earth doesn't mean pollute it, wear it out. I'm not a tree hugger by any stretch of the imagination. I am pro-cheap energy. When I go back to Scotland, which I've not for the longest time, just don't have the money. It takes a lot of money to do that now. Um, Petrol, gasoline, uh, very close to $9 a gallon. You know, I understand expense. Uh, I'm the only person I know of that fills up my my petrol tank here and smiles because I've been elsewhere. This is good. And besides, I'm driving a truck here, not cars like it. You want to see my my British car? Um, No, I I didn't bring it, but they're they're tiny. Oh my goodness, the only thing missing is a key out the back. Just wind it up, let it loose. It's like a clown car, though. We, it's amazing how many people we got in there and didn't complain. Now we're over here. I got a big truck, and I'm going, scoot over, honey. I need more room. No, I'd never say that to Cammie. That's why I'm alive. Um, <laughs> subdue the earth doesn't mean to rape it and use it up. It means continue the battle. If you didn't know this before, do you remember in, after the sin, in chapter 3, verse 24, Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden and a cherub, remember cherubs in Ezekiel? Mean, big, fearsome creatures were put there to guard the garden and make sure Adam and Eve don't get back in. And the devil doesn't get back in. The word there, guard, is exactly the same word for keep the garden that he gave to Adam. Adam failed because he was told, you protect this place, you keep it clean, and the next thing we know, the devil's in there and has a relationship with his wife. It is a story of the failure of human beings. By the way, those of you who come from churches that say, the Bible says, Paul says, that women are to keep silent because Eve sinned first, need to read Romans, where he says more than once, Adam sinned first. So don't use that argument. And don't tell women to stay silent. Um, We've already covered all that. If you want to know where that is, let us know. We'll direct you to it online. Uh, We are to continue the battle. We're to guard things. I, I love in Song of Solomon, the woman is praising her lover. And one of the things she praises him for, and again, you've got to know the way they speak, he keeps the little foxes out of the garden. Okay, then. What does it mean? It means he protects our relationship. He doesn't let anything in that could damage the garden he has made for me. 
Think of our heart, what we let in that could damage our relationship. Think of our families, what we watch on tele, television, sorry. Um, I told you, it's going to take all day. And this me, I'm having lunch with my grandsons, which means they're going to mock me. <laughs> Especially the three-year-old, he finds it hilarious. He'll even try to copy me and then dissolve into laughter. And I'm going, ah, it's fair enough, you're out the will. Um, the, uh, oh, I gotta tell you this, we were watching a movie and Billy Connolly was one of the voices for the animation. And they both turned and looked at me and they said, is that you? And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> Your granddad's very important. Anyway, Adam was charged with keeping the garden guarded like a cherub. And he failed. Of course, now the sudden, suddenly the serpent is, is loose upon the planet like we are. We're created here to play a part in a battle. Now, could God have done this without us? Yes, fathers. You could have done your life without children. Why'd you have them? Some of you are going, stop it. You had them because you wanted them. You wanted to love them. You wanted to play with them. You wanted to be involved with them. My son won't call me today because he's in far north Michigan and up, up north in that area. You don't get cell phones. So he called me yesterday. We talked. Made my day. Did I have to receive a call from my son? No. But I wanted to. You get the point? God wants us to be involved. Let's do this together. Let's go. Could God have done it on his own once again? Yes, and better. Do you remember teaching your kids how to do stuff? Took you a lot longer to get stuff done, didn't it? I'll stick with my son here. He was about, I don't know, eight years old when he decided he wanted to mow the lawn. Well, we had an old lawn tractor at that time. And I said, you could do the front and the side because we lived in West Virginia and the back end. In West Virginia, you'll hear people say, watch out, kids, you're about to fall out of the yard. You know, it's, it's, it's anyway. So you can do the front and the side. Put it on the slowest speed, you know, snails are zipping past. He had no concept of go out, turn around and come back. He was cutting Celtic knots, not intentionally, but wandering around. Later that night, when he was in bed, I went out and cut the lawn again. I didn't want him to see, didn't want to correct it. So it took me longer. God wants us to be involved. Again, I don't know what's going to happen once we die. Heaven's not an eternal worship service. We've got stuff to do. The Bible says, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you rulers over many. What does that mean? Nobody knows because everybody who saw in Scripture said they weren't allowed to tell it. Remember Paul said he saw things it's not lawful for me to speak about? Daniel saw some things that he was told don't talk about that. Um, in the book of Revelation, John sees some things and an angel actually puts his hand on him and says, don't write that. We have, we have some surprises. It, they're they're going to be good but we're going to need battle experience. And here's where we get it. That means, by the way, that I don't like a lot of Christian bookstores. I'll explain. And I'm not talking just about the precious moments type stuff, where you go in and it's all catch. Is that a word? You know? Yeah, okay. Um, 
you know, there, there are other words for it, but let's stick with catch. Um, you know, and, and all the white Jesuses, you know, um, Scandinavian Jesuses. Then you go to the books, and a lot of the books are very good, yes, but then you get the books, All the Blessings of Jesus. Or pray this prayer and God will bless you. Really? It's that simple? You found a verse in the Bible and that'll solve all your money problems? No, you gotta take the whole thing. I believe that blessings from God are incredibly important, but I also wanna know all his warnings. If you have a couple of kids and you say, here's a sandwich, here's some water in a wee bag, go play in the meadow, that's fine. Unless there's a dragon in the meadow. In which case, they're ill-prepared. God gives us promises, but he also says there's a dragon in the meadow. Be prepared. Don't be surprised. And by the way, that makes, um, Ephesians make sense, doesn't it? Put your armor on. Going to be a battle. And every, you've, you're church people. Preachers love to bring this up. One piece of the armor was left off. What was that? Really? You hadn't heard that one? Read Ephesians. The back plate is missing. Because some Roman units removed it because their belief was if you turn your back on the battle, you should die. And when Paul listed the, the armor, he left out the back piece. You don't turn. You face forward. Um, one more passage I do have here. Uh, let's do that before we close. Psalm 89, 9 and 10. Can we get that one up? Thank you. You roll over the surging, uh, surging seas. Remember this? When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. And then verse 25 if you've, uh, oh, you've got it, great. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. God intends to help us with the battle and put our hands over the sea to rule it. Do you remember what he gives you in Revelation? He gives you a crown. You don't get crowns unless you, you win. I heard a comedian once. I really wish I could remember who said it so I could give them credit because it's a great line. He said, once I found out you could buy trophies, now I'm good at everything. <laughs> I thought it was a great line. What about stolen valor? You know that, those issues? People who have never served and yet wear the uniform and a whole bunch of medals? They get free this and upgraded to first class and all the other until somebody spots, wait a minute, that's the wrong medal or the wrong unit patch or something and calls them out on it. They did take that to the Supreme Court to try to make it illegal across the U.S. and the Supreme Court said, no, it's free speech. So I'm going, seriously? But anyway, you don't get a crown just for showing up. It's going to be faithfulness over the long haul. Um... Crowns are there to be earned in battle, and we've got a battle. So when things happen, like in Charleston, I'm not surprised. We lived just a very short drive from the slaughter that took place in the Aurora movie theater. 
You know, we woke up to that. And immediately our church went into action to go help people and the like. And there's a great Church of Christ in Aurora as well that went to work. We were on the field. Um, you remember a lot of people died. None of us looked at each other and go, I'm shocked. How could this? We all knew this is a battle. But it won't just be bullets, will it? It'll be slowly getting you to get the gifts God gave you and give them to the world instead. That's the battle. It's for the heart. All right, that sets it up for what we need to do next week. But, and, and if you're away because of that so-called holiday, um, sorry. Actually, I'm glad that you won because I don't want Prince Charles in charge either. Have you had a look at him? It's like somebody in the royal family knew somebody in the royal family. It's, it's, anyway, um, it's features of, like somebody kissed a frog and it didn't quite make the transformation. I'm sorry, I'll stop. Uh, the, anyway, if you're not going to be here next week, I'll try to get the password for you. Uh, but you can also just call in to Laurie and she'll get it to you. Any questions or, or the like? Uh, it sounds like maybe some of this is new territory to you. Well, I hope it... Sorry? There are a lot of demons, yes. So are these uh, sergeants of Satan? Well, that's an excellent question. He says, uh, there are a lot of demons, so are these like the sergeants of Satan? Not sure. Well, I, I would say people like, uh, beings like Baal and Dagon and Belial, yes. Um, the, do you remember when, when, um, when Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers... He was naming ranks of demons that the Jews had come up with as names to rank them. So there are demons that are more powerful than others. Oh, better illustration. The apostles come to Jesus and said, we tried to throw the demon out of this boy. Remember, he would throw himself into fire, but it didn't work. Jesus saw the boy and his heart broke. He sighed and he told his apostles, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. They're different. Some of them are easy. Some of them are not. So there are ranks, absolutely. Who is who and where, I don't know. The Jews spent a whole lot of time with that, and Paul told them to stop. He said, don't go on this endless genealogies. He was talking about that. Any other questions? All right. Face forward. We'll see you next time. Cheers.